2 Chronicles chapter 20 is where we're going to look. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to begin at the beginning of the chapter. And the Bible says this, It came to pass after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. What scares you? That's not a rhetorical question. Really, what scares you? You don't talk back on Sunday mornings, I obviously, okay? All right, but just this once, don't do this to Pastor Jeff or Pastor Phil, but what scares you? Sharks. Okay, good, sharks. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> what else? Sp snakes. Yeah, spiders. Can I tell on my daughter that's not here, my other daughter, one of my other daughters? S spiders. What's the big deal? They're this big. It is a big deal. I'm, I'm uh, about, uh, I think it was a year and a half ago or so, I get a call from my daughter Alyssa. Dad, there's a spider in my car. Okay, I said, Alyssa, where are you? I'm out front. <laughs> I look out the window, and there she is outside of her car in the rain going. <laughs> so I, I went and outside, and I said, Alyssa, what's wrong? Oh, there was a spider in my car. So I dutifully looked in and looked all through the car. I could not find a spider. I said, sweetie, I, I, but Dad, I have to go to the grocery store. It's about a mile and a half away. I said, well, just get in. And no, Dad, there's a spider in the car. I said, well, it'll be okay. No, Dad, I'll be. My daughter got on her bike and rode to the grocery store in the rain a mile and a half there and back carrying the stuff because she's afraid of spiders. Yeah, that's a, that's a real thing, okay? I'm not making fun of that. I guess I was kind of, wasn't I? <laughs> uh, spiders. What else are you afraid of? Bees, okay, yeah. Wasps, yeah, yeah. We could tell, I'm sure we can tell some stories about that. How about, um, did I hear heights out there at all? That yesterday we were uh, doing something at Pastor Jeff's house and he mentioned one of us could go up on the roof. <laughs> because if, when I get like four or five rungs on a ladder, I, everything just changes for me. I get very afraid. Um, how about the future? Does that scare you? Politics? Oh, we won't talk about that. Um, failure. You know, there are many things in our world that scare us. How do you handle that? What do you do? Do you just push through? Do you just say, fear be gone? That doesn't work. How do you handle your fear? That is our subject matter this morning. We want to take a look at a guy who was afraid and find out what he did and a make application to our lives this morning as well. What kind of steps can we follow when we're afraid. Now, before we go any further, let me ask this. Is all fear bad? No. If you're afraid to stick your finger in a light socket, good. <laughs> if you're afraid to walk the interstate blindfolded, good. If you're afraid of getting a speeding ticket, slow down. You see, fear can be a good thing. In fact, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so not all fear is bad, but if we live our lives in fear, it can paralyze us and keep us from reaching the potential that God wants us to. 
And so, how can we handle our fear? In order to do that, let's look at a little background of Jehoshaphat. Now, I have not heard many kids by the name of Jehoshaphat. Okay, so that may be a strange word, but let's look into this guy and find out about him. Turn back a couple of pages over to chapter 17 of 2 Chronicles. Who was this guy? Well, we find, first of all, that he brought revival to Judah. What kind of a guy was he? Verse 3 of chapter 17. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto the Balaams, but sought the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and did and not, not after the doings of Israel. So this guy loved the Lord. Now let me stop right here this, this morning and say, this is a message to Christians. What does that mean? That means those who have placed their faith and trust, not in their own goodness, but in Jesus Christ, repented of our sin and trusted him as our Savior. That is a Christian, okay? Here is a guy in the Old Testament who was a believer. If you are here today and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, maybe you've heard about God, maybe you've heard religious terms and thought, oh, that's kind of crazy stuff. May I challenge you with this? None of the rest of what we're going to talk about really applies to you until you take the first step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. My friend, please, if you've not already, accept the gift of God through Jesus Christ. He came to earth, paid the penalty for our sin, and now if we will place our faith in him, he becomes our Savior. We become his child, and that's where it all starts. So as a believer, as a Christian, was, what did this guy do? Not only did he believe God, he sought after God, but also he taught other people about God. Look at, um, look at verse 7. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent his princes, verse 8, and then he sent uh, the Levites, and then verse 9, and they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. And went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. This guy wasn't, he wasn't satisfied to just himself know about God. He was evangelistic. He went out and shared the good news about God's commands with other people. He set up, get this, he set up satellite campuses, MBU satellite campuses throughout the, the, the country there. I think it's a great idea. And so, he wasn't just concerned about himself, he was concerned about the people of his kingdom loving God as well. Not only that, he built up his military, verse 12, and Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store, and he had much business in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. Verse 2, and he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah. And set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had taken. So he built up his military so much that all the countries around, instead of bringing their armies to fight against him, they started bringing presents so they didn't have to fight against him. Uh, look at verse 10. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and, and tribute silver. Then the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 he goats. 
The people were now, the people around him were afraid of him and his army. God richly blessed this man. And so he regained the respect of his own people. He gained the respect of the kingdoms around because he loved the Lord. Here's a great guy. A great guy to follow. But he was human. And he made a mistake. Uh, he joined affinity with a man by the name of Ahab. Does that ring a bell to you at all? Let me put his wife in there too. Ahab and Jezebel. <laughs> They're like the Bonnie and Clyde of the Old Testament, right? These were wicked people. 1 Kings 16.30 says that Ahab did evil above all that were before him. Now Jehoshaphat loves the Lord. He's following God wholeheartedly, but he joins affinity with Ahab. I did a little bit of research. Why would he do that? And I don't have a total answer for you, but affinity usually referred to his daughter marrying one of Ahab's sons or vice versa. So there was most likely some sort of marriage thing going on here. And so Ahab, wicked King Ahab, says, hey, Jehoshaphat, let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's come together and let's go fight against Ramoth Gilead. They're, they're a bunch of people. Now, remember, Jehoshaphat's got this awesome army. Ahab's is small and dwindly, but he's like, yeah, let's go together. You're a Jew. I'm a Jew. We're brothers. Let's go to battle. And Jehoshaphat, for some reason, says, okay. <laughs> and so they get ready to go to battle. They go to Ahab's place. And Jehoshaphat says, before we go to battle, can, uh, can we hear from God? Can you have any prophets here? He said, oh, Ahab says, I got lots of prophets. He brought in the 400 prophets of Baal. And uh, they're like, oh, go to battle. You're going to do great. Have fun. It's great. And Jehoshaphat said, yeah, but do you have any prophets of Jehovah, of God? And Ahab said, well, I've got one, but I don't like him. Because he always says bad stuff about me. So Jehoshaphat said, go ahead, call him. So they call in Micaiah, and uh, they said, okay, Micaiah, what do you think about, what does God think about us going to war against Ramoth Gilead together? And Micaiah basically said, yeah, go ahead, it's fine. And, and Ahab says, no, 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 tell, come on, tell us what God says. So Micaiah said, okay. I, I see the hills strewn with sheep that have no shepherd. In other words, this is a bad idea. You should not do this. Jehoshaphat, what are you thinking? But in spite of Micaiah's word, Jehoshaphat says, well, oh, well, let's go ahead. And they go to battle together against Ramoth Gilead. Well, it was a bad sight. They were routed badly. Ahab was killed. Jehoshaphat's army was severely decimated. They had to go back home with their tail between their legs. And Jehu, the prophet, comes to Jehoshaphat and says, basically, Hello? What were you thinking? Didn't you hear that God didn't want you to go? And Jehoshaphat repented. He said, You're right. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And God forgave him. What a blessing. Isn't our God wonderful? No matter what we do, no matter what we've done in the past, God gives mercy and grace. What a wonderful thing. But 
Jehoshaphat still has to deal with the consequences of his sin. And here are the consequences. All of the countries around are going, oh, this guy can be beat. His army is decimated. Now's the time. So they get together, all the countries around, and they call some people even from beyond the sea. And that brings us to chapter 20, where it says that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. In other words, yikes, we're in trouble. All of these armies are now ganging up on him. Jehoshaphat does the math and realizes he can't win. There's nothing he can do. And the Bible says in verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared. And what he does next is a pattern for us to follow. So let's take a look at it. The first thing he did when he was afraid was he shared his fear with God. Look at verse 3. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. The first thing that we ought to do when we're afraid is go to God. And you know, because of Jesus Christ and the veil being rent in two, we can come boldly before the throne of grace anytime. Anywhere. So when we get that phone call and our heart sinks and we think, oh no, what's the first thing we do? I mean, naturally, what do you do when you're afraid? If this room was pitch black tonight and I were walking down the aisle in pitch black, if Joseph were to jump out at me and go, boo, even though he's this big, you know what I would do? I would go, ah! I would jump back. I would recoil. That's what a lot of us do naturally. When we're afraid, oh no, we shriek back. Some people uh, will complain to others. They will immediately go and say, oh, can you believe what he said? They're going to make me, and we tell other people about it. Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong. In fact, the Bible does say, bear ye one another's burdens, but that's not the first place to go. The first place to go is to the throne of our Savior, Jesus Christ. To come to God and say, God, ah, I'm afraid. Number one, share your fear with God. Number two, he saw the greatness of God. Look at verse six. Jehoshaphat, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? Now, isn't that kind of strange? What kind of a prayer is there? Is that? Dear God, aren't you God? What's up with that? Here's what he's saying. Dear God, aren't you God? He's saying, you are not like us. You are great. Look at what he goes on to say. And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen, and in thine hand is there not power and might? 
so that none is able to withstand thee. You see what he's doing? He's looking at his situation and going, oh. But then he's talking to God and reminding himself that God is much greater. Our God is bigger. Well, what are some of the attributes of God? What makes God so great? What are some attributes of God? All powerful. Did you hear that? We call it omnipotence. God is all powerful. So as big as whatever else might look like, God is bigger. Good. What else about God? He, he's omniscient. He knows. Well, why do we have to come to him then? Because he wants us to. He knows everything. He knows about this situation, things that we don't know. And he may be allowing this for a purpose in our lives that we have no clue about that. He is omniscient. What else? He is loving. He's not standing over us in heaven with a bat going, oh. No. He loves us. He is sovereign. He is everywhere. And when you and I are afraid, we go right to God. But then the next thing we do is we remember who God is and the greatness of our God. When I was growing up, I had to walk to school. It wasn't uphill both ways, but I had to walk about five blocks every day to school. And there were some kids in our neighborhood. They were called the Katera Brothers. Does that strike fear in your heart like it does mine? The Katera brothers. And uh, they were bigger than me, and they picked on me from time to time. One day, I remember walking home from school, and I looked up ahead, and there are the Katera brothers. And I was afraid. Until I turned around and looked behind me. My big brother, who was bigger than both of them combined, and some of you have met him, actually, it sounds like here. You know, Jim, he used to be even, even bigger than, than he is now. He was about, oh, 20, 30 yards behind me. You know what? I all of a sudden got very courageous. <laughs> I turned and faced the Katera brothers and waltzed right by them. Be Why? Because I knew I could beat them up? No. <laughs> because I knew my big brother could. And so I could face them and not worry about it because I knew the power of my brother. And that is the idea. When we face a fearful situation, we go to God. And then we remember who God is and we remind ourselves, yes, God, you are in control. You are sovereign, all-powerful. You know everything. And spend some time meditating on God's greatness. He shared his fear with God. He saw the greatness of God. Thirdly, he saw the past victories of God. He saw the past victories of God. Take a look at chapter 20 and verse um, 7. He kind of gives God a history lesson here. Art not thou our God, which didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel? And gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever. Okay, so let's go back a couple hundred years. The Israelites were in Egypt. Who was in the land of Canaan then? Yeah, you probably can't give much of a wrong answer. The Jebusites, the Hivites, the, Jebus, or the Jerubites, and all kinds of ites, all right? The Canaanites were in the land. But when God brought Israel out of Egypt, what happened to all those people? God drove them out. 
God took care of them through his people, and also he did some things with, with some hornets as well. God took care of it. God gave them that land. And so Jehoshaphat reminds God, and really himself and his people, who gave us this land? It wasn't us. It was God. He remembered the past victories of God. God had done this for them. Where are the people that live, lived here? They're gone. God took care of them. May I ask, has God helped you? If you're a Christian, we all know that you and I have been greatly helped. We faced an eternity in hell, but because of Jesus Christ, now we are God's child. Yes, we have been helped. <laughs> we can look forward to heaven one day. What We have been helped. But how else has God helped you specifically? Has God answered your prayer specifically? I challenge you, when you pray, have a prayer request sheet. Something that you can look at when God answers that prayer, you can put a check mark by it. Or you can put how God answered that prayer in your life. That is so important. I remember Pastor Jeff. Where did you go? Where are you at, Pastor Jeff? Are you in here? Okay. There you are. Okay. No. Yeah, okay. He's huddling down over here. I, I remember when I was in college, there would be these testimonies from people saying, oh, I had, I had money due on my school bill and I had no way to pay for it. And so I prayed, and what would show up in their box? A check with money enough to pay their school bill. I, you've heard stories like that, right? Well, I never had that happen. Now, God provided, you know, my parents paid for half of my schooling, which I was very thankful for. Uh, but the other half I had to come up with, and it came down to my senior year, and I came to my last semester, and I realized I was going to be about $200 short. Now, that was the equivalent to about $3 trillion today, I think. But it was huge. And my dad had said, okay, like, if you need money for college, I will lend you money at 10% interest. In other words, don't come to me, bud. <laughs> um, and so I, I needed that money. And I, I, so I said, you know what? I'm going to pray. And I prayed, God specifically, God, would you, would you take care of this school bill? Lord, I need your help. You did it for that guy and for that guy. Could you do it for me? And I went to my box, nothing. <laughs> day after day, nothing. Finally, one day I went to my box and I opened it up and there was a pink slip in it. And the slip said, go and see the president. <laughs> okay. So I fearfully went into the president's office. He wasn't there, but his secretary, Pat Squires, was there. And I handed it to her and she said, oh, Peter, uh, Doc just wanted me to let you know that because you made a, a recording for the, CD, uh, for the school last year, it's done fine, and so he just wanted to help you and say thank you, so he just wanted to let you know he put $500 on your school bill. You know what that is? That is a specific answer to prayer that I can look back at when I am facing a fearful situation and say, okay, God, you know about this situation. You are powerful, and you've done it in the past. How has God answered your prayer specifically? Can I share one more? Uh, it was a year ago, this coming weekend. No, a, a year, uh, 
a week and a half away from a year ago. Uh, we uh, went down and did a banquet. We sang for a banquet. We came out from the, the Beef House uh, banquet at night. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And all the lights are off. Everybody's gone. We like to talk. And so we got done. And I came out and I go to our 2005 caravan and the tire is flat. So, you ever change the tire in one of those things? I could do this. Show my son how to change a tire. So we got the, the thing out and we let down the tire. You let it down underneath like that. You know, the guy's out there going, oh, yeah, I've done that. But all it did when I did that was the cable came down, but the tire stayed up there. And I, we're like kick, kicking the thing, and, and we're back up and back down, getting the manual out, looking at it. We spent like 45 minutes trying to get that stupid tire out. It was loose. It just wouldn't come down. And we couldn't move. And now we're out in the middle of nowhere at 11.45 at night, and I don't know what I'm going to do. So I walked down about a quarter of a mile to a gas station. I went down there, and I said, does anybody have a 15-inch spare tire that they would sell me? And uh, it, there was probably seven or eight people in the convenience store, but nobody did. I'm like, oh, great, what do I do? So I was going to look for some fix-a-flat or something like that. And as I walked out, this trucker comes up to me and says, where are you at? I said, oh, I'm, I'm up at the beef house about a quarter mile up there. He goes, I'll meet you over there. So I, I went, I went, walked back up there, and we're out in the middle of a parking lot at, at night, and it's pitch black, and then the semi comes rolling in and pulls right up to our van, our van and stops. And I'm like, oh. And so he gets out, and he's got these tools. He gets up under there, and he goes, oh, yeah, these things sometimes get busted. And again, it pops down. He takes his wrenches out. Actually, he had a, a drill thing. He goes, <laughs> takes it off, puts the other one on, <laughs> and takes care of it. And I'm like, Thank you so much, sir. You were an answer to prayer. Can I give you some money to just to say thank you? He said, no, you put up with me in Sunday school for long enough, so I figured I'd do it. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I went, Ben Edgington? The last time I saw him, he was a junior high, little, little you know, junior higher. And now he's this big, beard, Amish-looking guy. And I'm like, Ben, you know what? That was not a coincidence. Every time I try, before we leave, I pray, Lord, give us safety. And sometimes I'll admit it gets kind of rote. Okay, we got to do this before we leave. It's on the checklist. But you know what? When I pray that now, it's more meaningful because God answers that prayer. And some of you have been in situations where God has put his protecting hand on you. That, my friend, is something we look at and say, that shows God's power in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and say, well, I've never, I've never had that happen in my life. May I just encourage you with this? That's not God's fault. The Bible says sometimes we have not because we ask not. Right. So begin asking God, not just for nebulous prayer, although helping people, that's good, but for specific answers to prayer so that when God answers that, you can say, yes, God delivers me. Ebenezer, here I raise my Ebenezer. God has been my help. So that when we face fear in our life, we go to God. We remember who God is and we remember his greatness. But then we say, God, you've done it for me in the past. You can do it again.
So he shared his fear with God. He saw the greatness of God. He saw the past victories of God. But finally, he saw the promises of God. We find in verse 15 uh, that there was a man, a prophet, that came to talk to him. His name was Jehaziel. And in verse 15, Jehaziel says to Jehoshaphat and to the people, and listen carefully, and he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O ye Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Did you catch God specifically addressing his fear? And so, he claims the promises of God. Jehoshaphat hears the promise of God and he is confident. He is encouraged. Now you may be sitting here this morning saying, well that's nice for him, but I haven't had any prophets showing up on my doorstep recently telling me what God says. You know what? You and I may not hear voices from heaven or see clouds with a word in the sky. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And we have something that when we tell somebody, it's not our opinion. This is a promise of God, and that is his word. And so when we come to God, and we share our fear with him, and we remember his greatness and what he's done for us in the past, then we go to his word, and we claim the promises of God in his word. Now, some of the promises of God are conditional. All things work together for good, right? Hold on. <laughs> to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. I can do all things, right? Through Christ, which strengthens me. And so we go to the promises of God and we claim them while we are living in obedience to God. And what happens? Does that mean that all fear just goes away? No. But it means that God gives us the courage to face the future. And we are encouraged in our own hearts as we come to God. We remember his greatness. We remember what he's done in the past. And then we go to his sure word and we claim his promises. So what happened in this story? Can I just tell you before we close? Jehoshaphat gets the army out the next morning. And he says, okay, everybody, here we go. And he gives them a pep talk. And then... He calls for the baritones and the basses. All right, all you guys, come on up here. And he puts them out in front of the army and says, march. <laughs> now, if you're a bass or a baritone, you go, wait a minute. The guys behind me have swords and spears. The guys over there have swords and spears. All I got is this hymnal. How is this going to work? But here's what the Bible says. Take a look at it. In verse 21, and when they had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, 
that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten. They didn't even have to fight. They sang to the Lord. They lived in obedience because God said, get out there and get ready to go tomorrow. And when they did what God wanted and they claimed the promises of God, God took care of the problem. They actually came up and they, the armies kind of turned on each other and killed each other. And they just pretty much went in and took, took what they wanted of everything else. God took care of it. So how does that apply to us? I close with the opening question. What's scaring you? Is it the political climate? Is it the economy? Is it the future for your kids? Is it relationships? Whatever it is, may I challenge us to follow this example of Jehoshaphat and immediately share your fear with God. And then share the God's awesomeness in your own heart. Remember that God is all-powerful. Meditate on that. And then look at how God has delivered you in the past. And if he hasn't, start asking God for that. And then go to God's word and claim the promises of God in obedience to him and watch God take care of the situation. As we do this, it doesn't just alleviate all fear, but it gives us the courage to face the future, not in fear, but in faith in what God has declared.